Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the weekly catch-up here on Spotify with myself. Benwin Stanley, the host for this one. I'm joined by Paul Draper and a very special guest, our producer, Matty, today. Matty, I'm going to come to you first, making your View from the Bullens debut. Fulham won Everton nil and lost to Goodison Park. We haven't heard your opinions on the uh, on the matter. What do you think? First and foremost, hi, I'm Matty. Very nervous to be on the podcast today, by the way. We used to be in behind the camera, not in front. Um, but no, happy to be here. In terms of the match, I thought it was very disappointing. I think first game of the season at Goodison Park. I think typically, you know, you want the crowd to be up for it. You know, you want the players to be up for it. But the first half, there was a lot of positives to take. Um, but I think the more, for me, the more the game went on, I could see which way the game was going as we're having all these chances and it's just not going not gonna to fall for us. And I think, obviously, the outcome is exactly what happened. I think fair due to form, they had the chance, they took it. But I think for Everton, it's just another season where we've started the season, disappointing, because you're going on to Villa on Sunday, a hard place to go to. You get beat there, all of a sudden you've got no points from your first two games and it's just looking very dark ahead of the, the, the remaining, you know, the rest of the season already. You're right. Obviously, Paul, you've had your say before with the bubble on the uh, the post-match reaction over on the Patreon channel. What, what were your thoughts then going into that? Obviously, Dominic Calvert-Lewin didn't feature. Quite a big talking point. Made himself available for the game. Wasn't selected in the matchday squad but went on to play 90 minutes against Manchester United. What were your thoughts on the handling of Dominic Calvert-Lewin? I didn't agree with it personally. I think I touched on it with the bubble. He he had 30 minutes in him, defo. Same as I thought Dan Juman had more than 20 minutes in him. But end of the day, it's it's that famous saying, it's a marathon and it's not a sprint. So if Sean Dyche believes that the best way to get Dominic Calvert-Lewin fit long-term is to miss out against Fulham, then... Obviously, as you know, Ben, I'll back Sean Dyche because he's proven that he knows what he's doing. 
and having kept that team up last season, you and me have spoke quite highly as we thought it was a miracle back then. So, yeah, if Sean Dyche believes that's the best way, then so be it. But I really, really hope he starts against Villa because with, with, having, with them having Tyrone Mings out, I think he's got a chance of sort of bullying Paul Torres, who I'm not, I'm not a big fan of myself. Matty, obviously looking at the goal from Fulham, Three substitutes combining. And that seems to be what a bit of an issue at the moment, doesn't it? Everton's squad isn't quite there at the moment. Obviously, Fulham brought on uh, their three substitutes all combined. Uh, and obviously, Dikarova Reed, however you pronounce it, went on to score. Um, do you think that's a problem for Everton and Sean Dice? That, you know, Dice is quite resolute in his t- decision making. He tends to stick with his first 11, doesn't he? Yeah, I think with, with Sean Dice, he's known for. You know, playing his favourite thing. As soon as he come into Everton, you knew Michael Keane was going to get a run in in the squad, which obviously, as every Everton fan would know, he shouldn't be anywhere near that starting eleven. And I think the goal just sums it up. Out of position, didn't look like he knew what he was doing for the whole game. But going on to Sean Dice, there, I like Sean Dice. Think he's a good manager, but I think his stubbornness cost us the game because I, ju- I just feel. As I just said, he's he's picking his favourites. The best thing for us there and then on Saturday was to go on with the best team, i.e. Brantwaite. I think Brantwaite should have started. I think he's had, you know, he had a better season last season than what Michael Keane did. Um, he's shown good signs in pre-season as well that, for me, he deserved to go into that starting eleven. And I think that's one thing that needs to be looked at going into, into Villa on Sunday. I was actually in sunny Mallorca when we played Fulham. Uh, I was a groomsman at a wedding. I was supposed to be doing the, the MC, the comparing there, and I was checking my phone at all hours. Literally oh, I've ha- seen the picture, ha- don't worry. At half four, 20 to five, my head's in my hands. I thought, oh my God, I've done it again. I didn't actually watch the game till I get back. got back, to be honest, um, and I haven't, I haven't looked at it. Evan played okay. Let's get it right. They played all right. They created chances. Decore should have scored. More pace should have scored. And it was kind of like you said, Draper, that you know it's like last season, not taking your chances, not putting teams to bed. The likes of Michael Keane and others, like they didn't really play that badly. They didn't really make the mistakes. But I get what you put your what you mean in regards to your points in regards to Jared Bramford. He probably should have started for me. But Michael Keane didn't do stuff wrong. I thought the two worst players in my eyes were Decore and Nathan Patterson. Patterson, I thought, had an awful I thought Patterson had an absolute stinker. But he's young, Paul. You were talking to me downstairs, but in the cafe of the studio. Nathan Patterson, you know, he's come under some heavy criticism. I've criticised him, I've just said them before, regards to probably the worst player on the pitch. What What are your thoughts on Nathan Patterson? How do you think he's going to fit into this side? I think he'll be solid enough. I'd I don't personally think he'll be a world beater. However, I think he will be solid enough to be a to have a good career in the Premier League and obviously throughout the the, the top level of football, if you want to call it, just before the elite. I thought he had a really, really difficult game on Saturday, obviously. When um when Morpay came off, I actually would have kept Morpay on the pitch and took Patterson off and put Garner at right back because Garner and Patterson, for me, they were just bothering each other. They were in the same position. You could see Garner hasn't played really right mid. It's not his position. And at right back, we've seen him be comfortable there. Obviously, he played in a in a five, so at the right wing back against uh, Bournemouth back in the last season. But 
the European Championships that obviously England under-21s went on to win earlier in the summer. He was at right back in a, in a four, I'm pretty sure it was, and he was outstanding there. I think, for me personally, only Anthony Gordon had a better tournament than him from that England team. Maybe James Strafford, obviously, with that penalty save in the final. But I think Patson, he's, he just hasn't got that experience yet that you probably need in this in the situation that we're currently in, to be fair. Uh, ben, I know you're not the biggest fan of him, but as I say, I think he'll be solid enough to to be a good Premier League right-back. Maybe not the best in the league, but I think he'll be solid enough. What I also think, just to finish on this point, is we sort of have standards very high for a right-back because of how good Coleman was in his prime. Same as we do for left-backs, of how good Baines was in his prime for me. Leighton Baines is the best foot, the best left back the Premier League has ever seen. I know I am probably very biased in that, but that is only a little bit. Generally, my opinion. Uh, and back in about thirteen, fourteen, and then kind of season, Baines and Coleman they were just amazing together and as individual players. So yeah, we've got very high standards for right backs, and Patson isn't at it right now. But I think it's also because of his inexperience. Yeah, I think we look back to that Jan- January under Frank Lampard. Was it when Rafael Benitez just? left the football club, spending £30 million on Michalenko and Nathan Patterson. It's probably, you know, really bad business all around. Some may argue to bring Michalenko back in at left-back, play Ashley Young right-back. I thought Ashley Young was exceptional again. I thought he had a really good game on the highlights. Um, you know, Morpé didn't have his worst game for Everton, Matty, did it? It's just not going right for him, though, is it? No, to me... I think everyone knows Mope shouldn't really be playing. If it was down to you know all of our decisions and everything was going as it should, he wouldn't be there. But I think I'm past the point of not that I give you know the, the players stick any, any or anything, but I think I'm past blaming him because I think as as we've seen, nothing's going right for him. Um, and I just think if he gets one, I think he might kick on a little bit because I think obviously history's shown that. He loves he loves a goal. He absolutely loves a goal, but the way we play just isn't suited for him. And I think because his confidence is low at the minute, just nothing's falling for him. For me, the one that annoyed me the most in terms of the chances was the Decore chance where Garner was obviously a slip in and sorry. What? The Patterson one. No, to me, the Patterson one, the ball, it was very harsh to say that's the worst one. Because the ball's a little bit past them and he's a right back he's, he's not known for scoring whereas Decore and Garner basically it's two on the keeper if Decore passes the ball we go 1-0 up we go on to score 3 or 4 I think in that first half I just think the way the game went you're frustrating yourself by not taking your chances and from there it, it's only going to go one way as, as every Everton fan would know if you don't take your chances we're just going to end up getting beat in the end and that's the way that's the way it always has been No I, I agree and let's look back on the disallowed goal for Everton Draper, because I've watched it over and over and over again, and it's probably the second worst decision of the weekend. I think we talked about the Wolves' penalty by Onana, who absolutely manhandled their centre-half. That's a penalty all day. And that goal that Michael Keane calmly put it, put in the back of the net, for me, is a goal. What were, your, what were your thoughts on it? It's a difficult one, don't get me wrong. I think it, it, it's a goal, obviously, in my opinion. However, I know you can't really have contact with the goalkeepers. Never mind you initiated, you just can't have any sort of contact with goalkeepers. They are so, so, so overprotected. And that's probably one of the reasons why that Manchester United penalty never went Wolves' way because the goalies are so protected. 
However, I know, saw it on social media, the ref had blew the whistle before the ball went into the net. I know me and the producer, Matty, have a bit of a discussion over that. He thought the ref had him blue. I was like, I'm not sure if he's blue. This is just I what was I've determined he just pointed to the, to the, to the halfway line. <laughs> but yeah, um, it, we just see it every, every week with officials and VAR. And I'm not saying Everton get shafted by them the most. I think they're just a poor standard refereeing across the whole league. I think every team has got a case against saying the referees are against them, probably even the sort of the, the top six teams, they'll they'll always say also, oh, the refs are all, for example, Liverpool fans say, oh, Man United had like how the web and all that sort of stuff. United will always say Liverpool are favoured or City, etc. So every team has got a case against them. And for me, it really just is a poor standard of refereeing in the league. And that that's proven to me when John Moss, who is one of the worst referees I have seen in my entire life in the whole world, Every football league I've watched retires. Well, sorry, no. Thinking he actually sort of had to retire early because he had a, a horrible decision against Arsenal. So for Arsenal against Brentford, that could have potentially cost Arsenal the league, that offside goal at the Emirates. And he gets rewarded with sort of a lead role in the VAR. It just doesn't make sense. And until there's not an improvement in the refereeing quality in the league in terms of the actual refs, these decisions will carry, will keep on happening. For us, against us, in other games, it will just happen. And for me, it's just poor refereeing across the leagues. The ref has got to wait for that that ball to finish, to like go out of play or in the net or whatever. You can't blow there. You just can't. It's so. what they say about the linesmen, isn't it? The linesmen will keep the flags down now, let the play come to the natural conclusion, and you can go back to it. The technology is there. You know, to allow them to do that, so they get they're coming under less scrutiny. So why he was so eager to blow the whistle in the first place, I was I was gobsmacked. That's why initially I thought he was pointing to the to the halfway line, say goal, because I wanted to, I didn't hear the whistle, but I just couldn't believe he, he would have done that in that situation anyway. Yeah, it's, it's it was bizarre, wasn't it? He did t- kind of like turn towards the halfway line, but. Mm. Obviously, he's blown before the ball at the back of the net, and did not go. Did not go to VAR then, because no, because he blew cause before he blew the whistle. What well, I think, from what I've seen on on social media, I think Michael Keane would have been offside anyway. Yeah, yeah. It probably was. To be I've, fair. I've not seen it properly, but I haven't actually seen that. No one knows. We're gonna have this. We'll have this debate for for ages, and then it'll come back and the goal. Probably I think the same with Dan Juma anyway. as well. I think he went through in like the ninety fifth minute and. Very, yeah, very, very, very close. And yeah. that's enough about defeats. Let's move yeah. on to Sunday, two o'clock kickoff at Villa Park. The view from the Bullens lads are going. They're there in the minibus, flying down. <laughs> what, um, what's your thoughts, Matty? Then Aston Villa, tricky opponents, got to be five-one away in their first game at Newcastle. But so Alex Ferguson said they played some really, really nice football and just conceded five goals. What, what are your thoughts going into this game? I think everyone opening away to Newcastle. You've not got much hope considering the way they've been playing recently. So before the game, before the Villa Newcastle game, I'd be going into our game thinking, Do you know what, we're going to get absolutely walked all over. I think, as you say, the, the scoreline speaks worse than what it actually could have been. I think anyone would see that result thinking, you know what, yeah, they got they can see the five last week. But I think it was Everton, we can't score. So I think no matter how bad the teams play, and it's Everton, you know what I mean? I think we can go in with however much hope. And I just think the final outcome, I think we're just going to get beat. I just think the way everything's going, nothing's happening for us. We can't score goals. You know, it's Villa's opening game of the season at home. 
so home opening home games of the season. Um, I just can't see anything more, you know, than a defeat. You know, I'm, I, I love being op- optimistic, optimistic about Everton. Massive, we're yeah, call I've all my life, I've always thought, you know what? Yeah, we'll win there, we'll win there. But I just think Everton just drained it out of me over the last few years, and I just, I, I'd like to think, you know what? I'd love to be proven wrong, but I can't see much more than uh, Aston Villa win. We'll throw it back to the Brighton game, the 5-1, Paul. <laughs> Got a feeling. Obviously, you know, Aston Villa have got some injuries recently. Tyro Mings has got a bit of a, a nasty injury. I think Buendia is, won't be fit ACL. for a long time, ACL. Um, you look at their transfers, Aston Villa, Diaby looks one hell of a signing. Um, they're looking at getting, uh, is it Zaiolo? Zaiolo, yeah. From uh, Galatasaray, who was at Roma. You know, the... Emery's done a, probably arguably the best job in the past twelve months. I think Aston Villa when he when he came when he took over from Stephen Gerrard, I think didn't he have enough points to become either like top five or top four during like that period. So Emery's done wonders for them, real real wonders, and it's going to be very difficult for Sean Dyche to go. But you go back to that game against against Aston Villa, Goodison Park, the back end of last year, we got beat two 0 I think we were the better team for 60, 65 minutes, but unfortunately they brought up brought on the likes of Buendia and other substitutions and we got beat by a far superior squad didn't we yeah I remember that game I was really angry if you remember with their second goal I thought our pressing let us down um, Damari Gray and I think since then he's not really been seen as much but I've got a positive feeling about the weekend I don't know why someone is I don't know why but I've just got a sort of in the back of my mind I've got that Brighton game that you rightly mentioned Ben where we went there and obviously Monday night, I think I went down there, met met the bobble in the ground and I, and I remember him saying, we're going to get walked over here or like it's going to be a hard game. And I said, I've got a feeling we're going to nick it. Can you but, not have this feeling every week? No, it, that it, doesn't happen. No, now that, and then. no, that doesn't happen. And by the time, obviously, we had the minute applause, if you want to call it like that, for the, I think it was the coronation of the king and obviously... Um, a lot of fans sang over it, and I was really, I was putting my phone away, and Calvert Loom was in already for the call. I was like, "Oh my god!" What, what? And obviously, everything that came with that. But with Dominic hopefully being fully fit and starting, and Dan Juman, I think will start too. I think we've got a chance. I, th- I think we're a better team away from home with Sean Dyche than at Goodison Park, because our game style suits us away from home sit deep and hit them on the counter and I think that's what Villa are going to be vulnerable to um, turnovers, counter-attacks as long as we defend solid and based on last week I, I think we can do that obviously we need, but we need to concentrate and we need to stay switched on because they are a good team they've got really, really good players the Arby, fantastic player Bailey to come off the bench if he's fit another really Im- player that can make an impact Ollie Watkins who's been on fire since soon I am and he took over so, yeah, they've got quality players all over the pitch, but I think one of the key things will be the midfield. I don't know if Tielemans played against Newcastle. I couldn't watch it because, obviously, we were here talking about the Fulham game. I don't really, I think Tielemans' time in the Premier League is not done, but it's coming to an end because he's played a lot of minutes for his age. And I think his body's just starting to catch up with him at a young age. So, yeah, I can't, don't see why we can't go there and get something. Again, I think it's whoever wins the midfield battle in this one. I think if we can go leg, very leggy team, you know, Onana's got to play for me, probably Decore, and Adrisa Garnagay. Let's try and beat them with fitness and legs. And 
because we're only going away from home. We're Dice's system, what he wants, is probably better suited away from home. You know, sit in, nullify teams, get the low block, and then break at 100 miles an hour. That's what kind of the football we want to see. And we've seen that against Brighton. We've seen, obviously, four or five breakaway goals. Um, the absence of McNeil is going to be massive. But like you said, Dan Juma is probably going to be back. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is probably going to be back. Um, would you go, Matty, the back two or back four, shall we say? What would your back four be in this game if you could pick now? If you're Sean Dyson, your back four, who would you go for? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'd stick with the wingbacks. So, yeah, I'd stick with Young and Patterson. To me, I, I like Patterson. I think he had an off game last week. Um but I've always won, you know, he's one for the, not one for the future, but I think in, he is, to be fair, I think he needs to be groomed into the position, you know, the Premier League, it's all different to what it was in Scotland. Um, I'd stick with Tarkovsky, but I would bring in Brantwaite. I think for me, he's just, he brings that presence, you know what I mean? I think he, he needs to be adapted into that role, you know, of the Premier League anyway. I think he's only had a good season abroad last year. Um, I just don't want to see Michael Keane. In a, in a starting lineup for Everton again, I just I'm past it. I think most Evertonians are past it. I think why not shake it up? You know, bring Brantwaite in. You know, it can't get much worse, I suppose, can it? No, it can't. You're right. But your back four, Paul. Do you agree with Matty? Same back four. No. Garner right back. Tarkovsky and Keane. I think I think he had a good mm. enough game to keep his place, although. It is always that thing with Keane where I'm not sure on you. You don't give me enough confidence. You know, mistake waiting to happen. But I think he had a solid enough game to keep his place. And actually, young at left back, I just bring in Patterson for Garner, not only because Patterson had a poor game, but I think Garner gives you more defensive stability and more sort of even experience in the sort in 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 the game. I think Pat Garner's played. I don't know if he's played more games than Patterson, to be fair, because he's been on loan and he, he obviously had a very injury-hit season last season uh, with us. But just feel like Garner is better suited to it right now, especially away from home. And he's proven he can play there. So, yeah, Garner, Tarkovsky, Michael Keane and Ashley Young. I think Ashley Young is probably one of the first names in the team sheet lately. I'm v- been really, really impressed with him, Ben. What would I do? I'd probably put Ashley Young right back. Um, I'd have, obviously, I'd probably stick with Michael Keane and Tarkovsky uh, and have Michalenko left back. Um, Michalenko is a spade a spade, to be honest. He does what he says on the tin. He's more defensively minded. He's not going to give you 
amazing attributes going forward, but he can defend in a one-on-one -on -one situation. Ashley Young could do that at the weekend as well. I thought, like I said before, one of our better players, even at 37, 38 years of age. Um, but I just feel like we just need a bit of like a solid foundation and a solid base. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Matty, to start him, to bring him on, what do you do? I think we played the full 90 in the training game against Man United the other day. I think if you're playing a full 90 there, I think he's got to start. I think it just brings, you know, the threat. It just boosts everyone's confidence as well, having, you know, our recognised centre-forward back playing. Um, and hopefully if he does play, he can start with, you know, a goal or two. What about you, Paul, from the start or sub? I think he is on the bench. But, however, I would start him. I'll give him 60 minutes. But, however, knowing Sean Dyche and seeing how he's worked with Carver-Lewin and the programme he's had in place for him, I think he won't start. I think he'll come off from the bench in around 60, 65 minutes. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you, Paul. I think that's what he's going to do. I think he'll come off the bench. Um, do you know, if we're still in the game, if it's nil-nil or we're down one-nil, we're still in the game, still fighting, then there's always a chance we can come out and... And Nick something, but onto that, we've got obviously to speak about signings. Um, Jack Harrison, bit of a quick turn around this. Um, Paul, Jack Harrison, come from Leeds. What are your thoughts on him as a player? Solid player, special. It's an opportunity, one of them that pop up in the window. It's available on a free loan, obviously, covering 100% of the wages. Potentially, he's a buyout clause. Me had ones there for the Jack. So, yeah, I think he brings goals and assists, which obviously very, very important. We haven't got enough in the team. His work rate is second to none. He won't stop sprinting. He's got plenty of energy. And from what I've heard and from what it seems, also seem like you're bringing a, a, top, a top man and a good character into the dressing room, which is something that the club are really, really keen on. So, yeah, happy with it. However, we need more people in, hopefully before the end of next week because we need players to start games. I know he's two, three weeks away, obviously, with his uh, with his hip injury or we really don't know how long how far away he is. So, yeah, happy with it. But let's go and get more. Yeah, I'm delighted with it. I think we needed a winger that can contribute with goals and assists. You are a big fan of him. Big fan of him. It's who I wanted for, for, for a while. Yeah. Um, I know we all spoke about it on the WhatsApp group about which Leeds winger you wanted and I actually wanted Jack Harrison for the reason is play on the left or right probably another left winger that we've signed but he can actually play on the right he works extremely hard he seems he's like Dwight McNeil he runs quick with the ball um, at his feet he always seems to pop up with goals I think it's 37 goals and assists in the past three or four seasons. I think since the, since Leeds came up. That since is, Leeds yeah. came up, so that's the past three years. Compared to ours, I think it's 17 or 18 goals and assists. So it's, you're almost doubling your outlay with, with an extra player. So I'm absolutely delighted with him over, over the moon. And another signing that we're trying to get over the line, Matty, is Willie Gunanto. Not quite over the line yet. There's talks of 25, 30, 35 million pounds. 19, you know, throwing his toys out the pram at Leeds. What are your thoughts on that first as a player? I think, you know, it's a kind of... What, what do you think of Willie Gononto and his antics? I think from the times I've seen him play last year, he looks, you know, like an exciting player. Something that we've got very few of in our squad. Um, I think any addition, you know, like him would be welcomed. Um, obviously, he'd have a, you know, a good connection there with Jack Harrison as well. So I just... I'd just like to see something different. I'd just like to see... 
a, a more threatening outlay than what we've currently got. I think if bringing you know Nonso in adds to that, then I'm all for it. I think in terms, he's sort of out of favour with Leeds at the moment, isn't he? I think you've seen all the videos of the the fans at Birmingham last week, you know, singing, you know, don't come back, and he's been sort of frozen out the dressing room as well, hasn't he, by the manager? And I just think everything points to a move. Hopefully, Evan can get that over the line, you know, unless Chelsea want to come in and rob another another transfer <laughs> target or someone's. Um, but I'd, I'd like to see it get over the line. I'd like to see him come in and you know see what he can do in a in a Sean Dice side. Bring me Willish, Paul. Do you share that sentiment? <laughs> well, that that is definitely the sticker we've got of you, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really, really want us to sign Nonto. I think he's a very exciting player, one for the future talent. He's about the way he's gone about this move. It's obviously a bit of a red flag, if you want to call it like that, or something that I'm not really happy with. But again, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes at, at Leeds United. I don't know if he's maybe being sold. He could move for the right fee. Obviously, he's one of the only ones that hasn't got a relegation clause in his contract. The likes of Tyler Adams, Jack Harrison, uh, Robin Koch, um, they've all got... Aronson. Aronson, he also had the loan, a loan clause. So, yeah, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. And for me, it seems like Leeds are holding out for him to put a formal transfer request in and waive his whatever a settlement or whatever he'd be owed away because the manager doesn't want him he's, he's kicked sense. him out of the dressing room the fans pff, I think that knowing Leeds fans that they might actually kill him if he ever steps <laughs> foot on Adelaide Road again I don't think the players will be very happy with how he's gone about it the Leeds dressing room and to me it seems like it's only the owners that want him right now because they see him as a sellable and a valuable asset and we know that's what Americans are like they just care about the assets and the value, but the longer they keep this going, leads the the more the asset will decrease in price. Really, it, it's sort of similar with with other players, especially the ones in the last year of contract. If they're not going to sign every day, that ticks the value goes down, and obviously you're going you end up having to sell. But if reports are to be believed of twenty seven plus five and add-ons could do the deal. I'm not sure Everton are willing to spend that. I'm not sure Everton can spend that. And I'm actually not sure I want Everton to spend that on him. I think there's players that we're being linked with that were suited more to what we need. Bakayoko. Bakayoko, left foot and right winger, very good <laughs> ball carrier, exciting player. That He, he probably suits us more than, than uh, Willie Nonto because we really need a, right, a natural right winger. We needed one. I couldn't even tell you how long it's been. Billy left enough. Even earlier, probably. <laughs> what a player. <laughs> so, yeah. But bring me Willie. I think in Onto, he, he has that, you know, that utility player barrier. He can play on the right, play on the left, can play behind the strike, and can play up front on his own. I think that's the kind of signings Everett are going for. You sign Bakayoko, you sign a winger. You sign yeah. an out-and-out winger who cannot, you know, is that not versatile? Maybe that's what they're going for. You know, Dan Purdy, Kevin Farwell. Sean Dyche, massive, massive fans of Willie Gonzo. They're the, this is their man. This is their man. They want to go. For, they've had. They what? This has been idle for so long now since the back end of last last year. And if it is their man, they may have to go a bit. They may have to go with three or four million more than what than what they're willing to spend. I, I'll the, make this prediction now. I think if they get Gonzo for 25, 30 mil, it'll be worth double that in three years' time. That's my genuine. That's on record, so, that Ben. Um, because he's young, he's 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 exciting. 
that famous word I always use, got a high ceiling. I just think it's the kind of sign, like, you know, Amadou Onana, again, you know, his ceiling's extremely high. Again, we could he, get 90 million off of Onana, really. You know, really. you look at Saicedo, you look at, you know, Lavia going for 60-odd plus. He's, he's twice the player, Lavia. Declan is, Rice. By the way. Declan Rice. The, you, you, your bog-standard sixes, your number sixes, are going for, for 60, well, 58 million pounds. And he's playing in the championship? He's play, Exactly. So... You know, I think having command an eighty to hundred million pound FIFA, Amadou and on. If that was the plan when they bought him, then that's absolutely fine with me. And Willie Gonzo might be again, might stay for four years, and yourself another massive, massive uh, fee. And that's kind of the model that I think Everton should stick to for now to get to Bramley Moor. Well, that's the for me. That's the frustrating thing about it. Obviously, you mentioned there that he's been Everton's target for a while. I think if Everton are old enough, you know, like a cheaper, a, a cheaper deal. That's where Everton got to go. Do you know what? He's our man. We want him, and just sort of get the deal done. I think it's gone on for that long now. I just like Everton to just you know take the initiative and say, do you know what? You want it fine because we're not really in the position to be you know haggling over price. Think we need players. We need players, and now I just think you've just got to you've just got to bite the bullet. And if if people know that you'll be able to make money off him in the future, then why not spend the extra couple of million? What yeah. I'd like to ask you both on Nonto is obviously the way he's gone about the move. I know we've touched on it. Does that worry you, as in, like, let's say if he's at Everton, he has a season where he scores 10 to 15 goals and Chelsea, who are coming knocking for everyone, come knocking, that he tries to force that move? Or do you think it's just maybe this specific scenario with Leeds coming down and maybe promises that have been made behind the scenes and that haven't been kept to the words? I, I, I never like players coming out and spit, spitting the dummy out the pram. I, I alluded to on the media roundup show with Bobble on the patron. Um, that I don't like players doing that. Um, but like you said, he might have been promised it. He might have been told if we go down. I think his agency has got two high-value players, one being Wilfred Gononto and another. So they're going to be massively pushing him out the door because they want money in. They'll obviously get probably 10 15% of the deal. So they could be in for a £3 million windfall if that deal comes off. Um, it's a hard one, you know. If it, I think a lot of players are going to go down the lines of wanting release clauses in the contract soon. I think that's the next possible avenue. I think Mohamed Kudis was linked with Brighton, very close to going there. Mm. I think he wanted a release clause in his contract. Brighton then pulled away. Looks like he's Went going to West, West Ham. Now. I think West Ham might put a release clause in his contract. So what people forget is that the, the club, in regards to players now, players have so much power. Agents have so much power. If you annoy an agency, you'll, you'll never do deals with them again. That's why, unfortunately, Cage your option rubs shoulders with Farhad Mashiri and other people because they try and utilise him and sponge off him. Everton just needs just to focus on themselves, get this deal over the line, and if it is two, three years' time and Chelsea come do knocking on the door, with Todd Bowley, you're talking probably £105, £110 million pounds anyway, so if a player wants to kick his dummy out the pram and it gets Everton £100 million quid, I've got absolutely no qualms about that whatsoever. I'm the same. I think if he comes in, he does a job. I think, you know, if there is the likes of a, a big, you know, top five, top six team not coming for him in the future, he can not not that he can do what he wants, because to me no player's ever bigger than the club. But you know, if he's done his job for us, he's got us up that table. I think, you know, if you if you deserve a move, you deserve a move. But I think he come in, do the job, and if he wants to force a move in the future and he's gonna make us a bit of money, then let him do what he wants. Yeah, definitely. And Paul, Matty, thank you for joining me. Matty's debut show. Um, thank you to all, obviously, who tune in to listen to the podcast, uh, all the ladies and gentlemen that kindly tune in on Spotify. We do have a Patreon channel, and the link will be below. It is all over Twitter and social media. Just give us a go. 
you know, you can, it's free to leave at any time, free cancellation. Um, it's, you know, it's, we, we do think personally it's really good value for money. Articles, insights, interviews. So just give it a go, give it a click. If you don't like it, you can get off. We will not hold any grudges and we'll still have a pint of you in the concourses at every single away and home game. But in the meantime, have a great week. Stay safe and all the very best.